Hi, I'm Keisha Pettit, executive producer of this podcast, and this is Not An Overnight Success, brought to you by Shuram Partners Financial Services. In this podcast, we sit down with some very successful people from the world of business, entertainment, and sport, and we chat about their life's journey and what got them to the position that they're in today. Now, I'm just jumping in for the intro here, as unfortunately, our man Gussie has been a little bit unwell, but he will be back with you next week. And luckily, we got to record this episode with Cam and Jules beforehand. So in today's episode, we are chatting with Cam and Jules. Now, you might know Cam and Jules from where they met and fell in love on our screens on Married at First Sight. But now five years later, with a legally binding marriage, a son and multiple businesses, this couple have shown us that both relationships and businesses are not built overnight. In this chat, we talk about their love story and the realities of reality TV. Jules and Cam give us a bit more than a peek behind the curtain to let us know what actually happens behind the scenes. I found that really interesting, to be honest. We speak about their upbringings and how they each found their purpose, as well as where life is headed for them in business and as a family. Something that I didn't know before this episode was Cam's story of his very dark days. And in this episode, he spoke really vulnerably about his struggles and what led him to be a part of the Gotcha for Life family. As for all these podcasts, Sharon Partners have generously donated $10,000 to the charity of choice of each of our guests, and we'll talk about who that money goes to in this chat. A big thank you to our production assistants, Kelly Stubbs and Brittany Hughes. Now it's time for me to hand it over to Gus, where he'll get into the chat with Cam and Jules. Jules and Cam, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Gus, Good. fantastic for, for you to be here. Well, we're in your <laughs> home, you, let me set the scene. Us. Beautiful family home on the northern beaches of... Sydney, and I've got to say, Jules, I'm assuming it's yours. Beautiful touch around the place. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the assumption, mate. I appreciate that. <laughs> I've had nothing to do with it. But no, Jules has done a magnificent job, everything she's done. Thank you very much. I have put a bit of, bit of effort into the house. We're getting there slowly but surely. Like any family having their first home, it takes time, doesn't it? Of course it does. Of course it does. But this is beautiful and you're in a great spot. I want to talk to you guys mainly because Cam and I have been friends for a long time. You're an ambassador of my Gotcha for Life. But Jules, you came into his life through a, a strange sort of way of doing it, I suppose. The, the TV show Maths, which is the number one show, I think, in Australia. Probably the last series where it actually was about love. Um, can you talk us through the experience of going to get into the show rather than actually being on it? So I actually auditioned. So I actually made a video of myself. I wasn't scouted like Cam and many people that are on it. I actually did a video of myself and was like, I am a catch. I have looked around the whole world and I can't find my guy. So that was basically it. And then the application process was really interesting because you asked yourself some really deep questions. And I was very honest and I was quite vulnerable and I just really was who I was and I didn't go in there going, oh, I'm this and I'm that and I'm super confident and all that. I just wore my heart on my sleeve and luckily they matched me with someone that was very, yeah, who understood me, I guess. So it was incredible and we look back now and we both say we were so naive to think that we kind of went in with this positive mind and my game plan, if there is such thing, was if I don't like him, I'll just leave the next week, you know. I mean, you see what happens on that show. It can really not, you know, it can ruin some people's lives for a while. So we have nothing but, you know, we're so fortunate and look back on it as a magical time to now show our child and our children one day how we met, which is we have on high definition from Channel 9, (laughs) which is amazing. When we got married for real, we had our own, like, video video man, like, doing our – wedding video for us and then we watched it back and we were like oh it looks a bit odd <laughs> and I'm like we're so spoiled we've had everything in high definition and yeah but they're really beautiful they gave it to us on a hard drive so we've got that to show our family one day which is incredible to look back on and it was a great experience so as I said very fortunate well we saw it through the eyes of Cam of course you know a bloke that we knew and really a cricketer yeah you know and all of a sudden he's on this tv show and it was actually quite novel so I didn't know, mate, that they sort of handpicked you or handpicked you to be in the show. I didn't know that. So what was that process all about? My process was a Wednesday night down at the Stain, no, sorry, down at the Wharf Bar, having a couple of frothies with mates. And funny enough, they were all lined up just along the table, three mates, all married, all kids, and it was just me. So it was just – and then you had a couple of uh, producers that came along and said, excuse me, guys, um, is anyone single here? And my mates all pointed at me, yep, that bloke. And I said, oh, God, here we go. Um, <laughs> and they said, I said oh, are you interested in a dating show? And in my head, I'd watched the season before, and for some reason I thought, I reckon you're about to start filming. And I said, is it Married at First Sight? And they went, yes, are you interested? And I went, oh, geez, watching it, yes, being on it, 
not so much. So you go through these, a few questions they ask, they take a photo, they said, love you, okay, love your story, producers will be in touch. And it sort of rolled from there. But I was in a time in my life where I'd literally, I'd come back from Canada, Toronto, I just, I just received my first professional coaching gig um, as a professional coach, my first real tour. I mean, I was coaching alongside, I was assistant coach to, to Wacker Eunice and, wow. I was, and I was coaching alongside, uh, I, was, I was working with Davey Warner at the time and Ben McDermott and David Miller from South Africa and life was great. I just really tipped off something really special that I've been worked towards for a long time now. I came back. You meant to say life's better now. <laughs> Yeah, life. eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. We'll get to that, honey. Like, my life was amazing then. <laughs> we'll get to that. And I did. I came back and the producers continued to, I guess, just call me. and said, Cam, we love your story. Can you get in touch? Can we work? And I was like, well, everything's – I think it comes in life any, with anything. If you're not desperate for it, well, then it sort of just naturally flows with, mm. a, with effortless ease type of thing. And, and that was one of those. I, I wasn't going in it for anything other than, well, okay, if you've – figured out that you've genuinely got my my perfect match well then i'll believe you that's one thing that did happen which we've obviously chatted about they i remember they called me on a wednesday i was in the apple mac shop it's about three o'clock and they were like we found your match we're gonna call him now and it, he may say look i've changed my mind and if he does then you're not on like so they generally and they wow. came and i've chatted he's like they called him about four o'clock so they did actually go like they didn't just match me with anyone so which is a which is a good which is a nice thing. I figure yeah, at the I figure at the end they have ten couples, five that are fifty percent chance of of oh, that are a chance of working. Then I reckon five there's a car crash. Five a car crash. <laughs> yeah, because that's a TV be, show. That's exactly the right. The ratings need to be right up there. It's Channel Nine's baby, so they need to look after it. And then twos that could go either way. And I just assume that they happen to see us in, in that bracket of these two could work. Let's go with them. Hence, well, I don't know. They wanted me to walk down the aisle and go. Oh, he was so sure. Like, they did want me to do that. Like, I'm convinced they had Cam in a ditch because I came down. His best man was six foot seven and he was just so low. And I was like, oh, my God, because I made a big song and a dance that I wanted a really tall guy. So I think in a way they did want me to be a bit superficial and go, no, nah, like I'm just not – I've got my blinkers on. That's it. I, I know what I want. But we both were open to the experiment. We were open to it and – open to getting to know each other so that's where it, they know. put me in a ditch they cut a hole and <laughs> yeah. then they put a rug a big rug over where i was standing and then i'm it didn't convinced help. they did my, my you were such a nice person you just rolled with it i just rolled with it i rolled into it that's <laughs> what jules, i did jules just telling you know i'm six foot two and a half so just thinking if things don't work out um what were you like jules as a kid growing up <gasps> what was that like as a kid um oh when you say that i think of as a teenager i was a terrible teenager like i would say to my mum like you know she'd go I hope you have a daughter just like you and I'd be like yeah she'd be really cool like I was a terrible <laughs> teenager like just 13 year old hormones like just awful and I probably will be blessed with if we have a daughter just like me too because I probably deserve it but growing blessed up like or <laughs> yeah but I mean like not blessed yeah uh but I was middle child syndrome I got an older brother younger sister and my dad has always said always have an even number if you have kids because there's always two picking on the other one and it's not always the same too but I had a um I had a great upbringing you know it was always you know very lucky with our, our life and how we led it and great family with parents still together yeah no but I was a terrible teenager that's for me what about you Ken <laughs> I'm an only child so that that has its different that has its advantages that has its disadvantages I would have always loved a brother or, or sister because I see especially when I play cricket some of the brothers that play together and I, I think of that bond that I see geez it looks very very special so it's something I never got to see or or feel but I, I did have a wonder I was very blessed I had a wonderful childhood bring up um, in Kalani Heights, loved my footy, loved my cricket, had my ball in front of my stocking. I think it was just your, your nat natural sort of Australian youngster growing up in the backyard and you have his barbecues and dad would take me to the footy. Mum and dad would take me to the footy and we'd support the Eagles and, and we'd just have a really good time. And I think I grew up dreaming of being one day a cricketer and, and – You always knew what you wanted to do. I did too. From the age of five, I got photos of me painting my mum's face, doing her hair. Like I in, – it's in my blood, hair and makeup, beauty. And so when I was just turned 15, when you were old enough to, I left school when I got my apprenticeship and did all that. So I was always very focused about what I want to be and what I want to become as well from a very young age. So I wasn't just a terrible teenager. I did have drive. Yeah, you had <laughs> drive. And, and, we'll, and we'll click into how you've taken that drive to another level too with your own business yeah. in a moment. Cam, I remember the moment where I played in a New South Wales cricketing week 
for the CAS schools. And we played against a bloke called Stephen Mark War. There was a couple of brothers, pretty good players. Couple of good players. Michael Slater was in that team as well. Uh, Neil Maxwell was in that team. So if people don't know them, very famous cricketers. And they beat us so badly that that was the day I put the peas on the car to drive home. And on my drive home, my dream of a, of a baggy green just left me. And I went, I can still play cricket. I love my cricket mates and I love the whole being part of a club, but I will never play for Australia because they're the people that will. Right. You were much better than me. You, are, you actually had a chance. Was that that moment for you? Did you have a moment where you go, you know what, I'm not going to wear the baggy green? I did and that moment turned to, oh, you'd be playing professional cricket and it was a time when New South Wales cricket was so strong and I was playing first grade at the time and doing quite well, but geez, it was hard to get in. I was very lucky enough that... That was always still my dream and my to be a professional cricketer no matter what it was. And I was lucky my mum's from New Zealand. So I had a Kiwi passport and at the time the sort of the World Cup was happening and they we sort of got in touch and they scouted and, and said, Well, are you interested in coming over here to a couple of provinces um, and giving it a go? And I said, Absolutely. It was just my drive. Otherwise I just felt that I would have been because you had at the time, I think Dean Hills and uh, there were some fantastic cricketers that were scoring runs in first-class cricket for fun. And I was like, oh, they're not even getting a look in for Australia. Yeah. So I, I took another road and all I wanted was an opportunity to play and to test myself the best ability I could full-time and potentially be paid for it and things like that, but give yourself the best opportunity. And New Zealand was that place. And I went over there two years at Northern Districts and two years at Wellington. I had four years and I loved it. Uh, I fulfilled my potential of and my dream of becoming a professional cricketer. And my first class debut was with Kane Williamson and he was a 16-year-old kid at the time and I just went, this kid is another level. And Trent Bolt and some of the superstars of New Zealand cricket, of world cricket, and I played with those guys and learned a lot from and, and taught a fair bit too as well, which is great. So that, instead of just uh, falling away by the wayside, it was just another avenue. How can I do this? And I think that was always in me, that, that drive to, mm. to find a way. Not just your cover drive, huh? Yeah. Oh, oh no, that's very good. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. Now, for you guys now, like the show Maths, I've had a crack at people in radio shows that I've been in, especially for, I think, not looking after the contestants. And I call them contestants, but I suppose, you know, the people that are involved in the show not looking after them enough, too much focus on ratings, too much focus on that moment where people, you know, can be super vulnerable and they're not looked after. Did you, did you feel that way? Do you feel the show might have gone down that path since you guys finished? Oh, I mean, even when we were on it, there was a moment where we felt a bit vulnerable, where we were like, we're in a circus. Like, we do not know what's going to happen and whatever happens here, our opinions don't really matter. Like, when there were someone cheated on our series and it kind of was like they were asking us what we thought and should they stay or not because they cheated and really it didn't matter what we thought. Like, they were going to do what they wanted to do and it was at that moment we were like, what are we a part of? Like, mm. we were a bit like, let's just say we're going to go and the show was like, you can't, you're the anchor of the show. <laughs> you cannot go because you all just get on the couch and say, look, we're done. Like, we, we're both saying, no. Leave, leave, leave and we're yeah. out and they're like, but hang on, aren't you guys in love? Absolutely, but we're going to continue <laughs> our love halfway through the series on the outside. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, we can only speak for ourselves like people do come off there saying that they were a bit, you know, I guess influenced by producers and not, I mean, I believe you can't be forced to say something. You can't, you know, you can't edit what you say. You can't, you can obviously edit how people's facials are or whatever. So, I mean, and, we, and on our series, what you saw was what you got, you know. So I, I'm, as I said, I, it's a hard one because I can only talk about our personal experience, which was great, but I know many people do come out of there and I don't think there is a duty of care sometimes with some people when you see them that they're well from the first place chosen for television like they're a little bit broken and they've got a, a history that put in a situation when it comes to love which is a vulnerable thing anyway then they're everything's heightened and you see the wheels fall off and you see these people get more hurt and it's from the, the beginning choice of I always say you just wish that person had a mate that was like, you know what, babe, I don't think this is one's for you. Like, step this one out. Yeah. Like, it is a hard thing. And even, you know, from ourselves going on that show, it, it doesn't come with all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Like, it does come with some hard things. And, and that's from coming, getting the, getting the dream and getting what we wanted was finding love. So it is a tricky one. And I just think anyone going on reality TV, you have to have a good network around you. You have to like who you are and have integrity with all your choices and be happy with how you behave because – 
but everyone's going to like you and they're going to make sure they tell you that as well. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's a so journo many, now, aren't yeah. they? Everyone's <laughs> a photographer, everyone can... It's all around you, it's socials. a whole different world and there were so many circumstances that can make that experience what it was and we were lucky that we were from Sydney, we'd actually had a great relationship with each other and we sort of had family and friends around so we could stay sane. When guys are coming in from, from Perth or another state... So they haven't got friends or family around them, plus they're in a relationship that's just doomed, so they haven't got anyone to sort of talk to. Then you've got curfews and you're actually not allowed to speak to any of the other contestants. Uh, unless it's on camera. Unless it's on camera. Oh, really? Which yeah. is a fair call, and we respected the sort of rules because it makes sense as a viewer. If, you're, if you've have an argue, you and I have an argument on camera and then you sort of resolve it off camera, the next time you two are together... We're, we're, we're best buddies again. The viewers are like, I don't get... Didn't they just try yeah. to rip each other's Like the last two years has been a guessing game. You're like... did, it? And I think that's why our series was such a success, not just here, but in so many countries, because you saw it all unfold, because every contestant, as we're calling it now, uh, respected the madness of the show, which is what Cam's saying. And now at the moment, you're a bit like, did they kiss? Did they not? Did that happen? And because everyone does all their wild parties off the curfew and they're doing whatever and then as I said it's just a guessing game of like what's real and what's not yeah and on our series I said you saw all the madness <laughs> you saw it all happen mm, sure did <laughs> now life has moved on for you guys now and I, I mean your social media is fantastic your numbers are amazing so when people look at you and go right they're actually a success story do you see yourself as that now? Are you still a contestant in people's eyes or are you now just Cam and Jules who love each other and have a beautiful boy? You know, it's at weird. what point did it click to you to be just because we were together on the weekend and everyone's looking there and taking photos without you even knowing? Remember, that's that girl, that's that guy. You know, do you get used to that? Is that still who you are? Like, where are you now? I mean, we. I'll tell you where we are now. Sorry, honey. We did have a moment where the girl stopped Jules. You go, oh, there they are. There. Oh, I love them. <laughs> Jules, oh, I love you so much. I can't remember your name. <laughs> It's like unbelievable. <laughs> it's really funny, actually. What Cam's, am I, chopped liver? Yeah. Cam's mate, he's one of his best friends who's in cricket as well. He always has this joke. Like this is a few years ago now and he used to uh, – the equivalent of how many cricket stadiums follow me more than they follow Cam on That's Instagram. That's good. Mm, so a couple of big stadiums. So yeah. it, was, it was a couple of – no, it was one MCG at one time. So it was 100,000. I think it might be a couple of there. MCGs now. And now it definitely is. So there was a joke. Okay, so we're going to pack the whole MCG out of Jules's <laughs> – followers and I'm going to go in the middle and then just tell everyone why I think they should follow me as well and then then they started to really get, uh, get so the obviously line. we're completely joking everyone yeah, it's just become this ongoing joke and then I thought okay the line outside's getting a bit longer and then all of a sudden there's a couple there's Eddie had stadium and then there's another MCG yeah. and then and I'm, now just, it's I'm like, just like mate, no shows are off I'm done you, you, like, you do what you want to do so how does it feel like how does it actually feel like, these people aren't interested up. in you yep. Yep. that's <laughs> not true so we obviously found one of those the other day we said Jules I love you so much you're doing incredible things you're the guy Right. What's your name again? It's like, hang on, what yeah. story are you following? Yeah, it's Jules. I'm and the husband. You it's know Jules and Cam, right? Yeah, it's not Cam and Jules, uh, but it is Jules and Cam. Yeah. But talking oh, about those numbers, that. what is it, 750,000 roughly? Uh, I think, yeah, around, I think Inst a bit lower than Insta? that. Insta? Yeah, on Insta. And how much yeah. yours, mate? You're about 400. Oh, or I something. don't know, mate. 492 and 614, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Jules, the thing I love about yeah. you is that you came in through the process and I don't think were you both together at that time I can't remember exactly because breakfast radio you tend to sort of switch off a little bit yes but you came in and you were just so natural and so beautiful that moon man and I who were interviewing at the time actually couldn't speak can you remember that <laughs> yes I do <laughs> that was really fun it was lovely it was I had yeah. to walk in there and just pick sorry man I'm not talking there. to you I'm pick talking the, to Jules. The, <laughs> I had to pick your jaws up off the floor with both of you yeah, yeah, no, that was a fun morning. That was great fun. But no, we were together, but obviously on the timelines in the show, it's like, are they still together or are they not? But going back to what you said before, we are now, like, it's just how we met. Like, it's the most mental way, but it's just how we met. And it's even on Sunday when we were hanging out on, like, just walking along the road with our pram, with our baby, we had about four people come up to us and just, and people were just only ever being lovely, you know? And we, you don't get bored of it because it's just people coming up. And for me personally, it's when I, a woman comes up to me and I'm like, oh my God, do I know you? Because they talk to me like they know me. And to say, you gave me hope that I'm going to find the one. Or you've gave me believe that I'm going to get everything I wanted. And I, yeah, and it just, to me, that fills my heart to go, if that's what I've done in this world to so many women, that makes me so happy. And that's something 
something I would never, ever get bored of people coming up to say to me. So Yeah, that is yeah, beautiful. Is and really I guess when you talk about the numbers, mate, not that we're ever counting 492. And, um, <laughs> uh, no, but it's, I mean, obviously people come and, and check in for the reality show that they've watched, right? So then they obviously have an investment. But I think it's, it, it's moved past that because the Australian public, the world, they aren't stupid. If, if you're not adding... I guess, a, a sincere or value to what's happening, what they're checking in on. And I think yeah. we've moved past that maths part where it's not just we did this on maths. It, you know, Jules is incredible, inspiring mother and woman and, and entrepreneur and businesswoman and, and body positivity, the message that she's sharing. So it's like people forget, oh, that, that I don't even have to or I didn't even watch maths. You're, this is something completely different that, that I love aspiring to and, and you give me hope or you, you do inspire. And I feel I'm the same where my message every day is very close to your heart, mate, gotcha for life or, or mental health and, and knowing, especially going through COVID at the moment, fuck, we've gone through some hard times. Everyone is going through some shit and I've been lucky enough to go through my fair share of it but to come out the other side of it and I want to share that story and share that hope that, it, it, that happiness can continue and, and if you can just hold on, it can be. And that's why I think this continues to work and why people, we get in touch with them and, and we're very blessed to have that that foundation, that template that we can share our story with people. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. And let's talk about your business, Jules, because we were sitting here sort of setting up and you're literally down there putting beauty products into bags and then putting that bag into a huge big Santa bag with a Australia Post you know, spot yeah. on it and you're like, yeah, it's going really well at the moment. I feel, I feel when I see you on telly and so forth, you are inspiring now to the curvy model, to the, the lady that can just get up and have a crack. Yeah. Do you feel that pressure of being that person or are you just loving the oh. process? Because you just won like some awards and stuff. Can you tell us yeah, about that? Yeah, I did, which I'm super, super proud of. Uh, so the Osmo Entrepreneur, which is an Australian-wide uh, you know, it's a, an awards for, for mums in business. It's been around for about 12 years and it's quite prestigious and it's a way to celebrate mums in business because unfortunately when you have a baby, sometimes workforces don't suit you anymore because you've got a child and you've got so many other things going on. Mummy businesses do put a lot into the economy. They employ other, other mums and it's just this little bubble and I think it's a really great way to acknowledge mums in business because the struggle is real but also when you have had a career your whole life, it is accepting that of course I always wanted to have a baby but I, ne- I personally as a woman need something else going on at the same time like that makes me feel whole and I do all of it really well and sometimes it gets really hard and I couldn't do it without my husband but it was just yeah really honoured to I won Emerging uh, Entrepreneur of the Year and also my product um, which is Figure which is Shapewear came third in product design so yeah it was really amazing and I don't feel I always believe that saying of credible brands are made from staying true to who you are and that's one thing that I have never not tried to be anything I'm not and that's where my messaging of figure comes into is it shapewear because I believe that body positivity is just working what you got being happy with where you are it's not about being plus size or being overweight or anything like that it's about just being content in your body and as, as a woman just as say giving it a go and that is my messaging with figure and that was creating a bit of you know, a bit of pain into purpose from going on a platform like Maths and being judged before I even spoke, you know, from a TV ad for people going, oh, she's fat and she's ginger and she's ugly and all that. Before I could even show my character, I was judged for the how I looked. So, but then on the flip side, having so many amazing women reach out to me and say, God, I loved seeing a curvy woman on TV. Oh, yeah. God, you remind me of me. And I don't, I always say it was either the curves or the fashion or the looking for love or the all three, but so many women said that to me. And then I put it all together and also wearing shapewear, which was really annoying on TV for three months and it constantly rolling down and being uncomfortable and taking off my clothes at the dinner party to go to the toilet. I was like, I'm going to make the most kick-ass pair of shapewear that doesn't roll down and it's amazing, but also have a really strong message of body positivity, which is, as I said, just work what you got. And also it's about fashion and, and it's just, it's amazing that everyone's getting it. Everyone just gets what I'm saying. So I think it's, it's because you're authentic. Yeah, thank you. I, th- I think people now are sort of going, you know what? You've moved from whatever you had to be in the show to actually being who you are and that comes across. And yeah. I think once people think you're authentic, then everything else is forgotten and you go, right, well, that's, that's who I believe in her. Yeah, you and know. it's only when you look back and you connect all the dots, you're like, okay, it all makes sense. But in the moment, like uh, anyone that knows me, wholeheartedly I went on that show to find love. Never once did I think, oh, I'm going to create a shapewear business. Yeah. It just all made sense when I put it all together and – 
yeah, it's just been awesome, hasn't it? But as I said, I couldn't do it without Cam. Like, he helps me so much in everything that I do and – you're a partnership. You're yeah. a proper partnership. We've got that recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send that to you as a snippet, mate. Put as your, quite beautiful. Sure. As your, uh, as, as your ring, ringtone. He'll take the post out for me soon. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take it out of my way out. Thanks. Cam, at what moment did you absolutely know that you love Jules? It wasn't just, gee, she's beautiful and this is fun and this could, you know, this could work out. When was the moment you went, you know what? This is actually it. How far in from that moment where you were. Well, I guess Sora. on the show it looks like it's about three episodes deep and everyone went, is this bloke kidding himself yeah. or what? But it's not. We t- we often talk about that. I mean, it's such a deep, intense process and it's like you spend three months with someone or two weeks with someone full time. You've moved straight in, you've it's got like on honeymoon. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's accelerating your dating capacity like no other. So you're either going to figure it out or not. And we just had this incredible connection. We, our, on our honeymoon the next day, our producer was genuinely like, are you, are you taking the piss? You thought we'd stitch them like, up. Are you stitching us yeah. up? Oh, that it's was like how you know each other. Our, our sort of chemistry and our bond was. Yeah. And she just kept double taking. It's like, no, you guys know each other, or something's not right here. And we were like, no, we're just having a great time together. And I think it's when about it was about two weeks in. Again, twenty four seven, you're spending a lot of time together. And we were sitting at the airport, and I think a little little one, yeah, little girl, a little girl, just ran past, and we both sort of melted and, and said, okay, "What what do you think our children would be like?" and and I think we just had that envision then and we both just dropped and thought, this is it. Didn't Would we? you drop? <laughs> did, did you Did you feel that? So that's, that's – if I'm looking – I'm a bloke, right? So I need a day, like 14 days. You were pretty much – you just you said were. you could picture me having your children. That's when you're like, yes. yeah, I love this woman. Like, yes. if you have that, that would, thought as a and man, that was that's a feeling. Big, that would be a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a feeling. You know, you, I think you go through so many relationships within yourself. You're like, something just doesn't feel right, whether it's tingles or or heart palpitations or just something just in your bo- mind, body, and you, only you know that. But you know, when everything just feels like it's just effortless and it's just going, yeah. and it's flowing. You're like, nothing's holding me up here. There's no hurdles. I'm not trying to convince myself of something. It's just happening and I just went with it. And when I asked Jules that question, she said the same. So we just aligned. In so were you about the we same, did. Jules? I, to be honest, like obviously I'm a, a romantic woman. Um, on our wedding night, the first night that we met, we, we were so exhausted. I hadn't slept for a week. It's why I had a meltdown on that morning. But I, we talked till 2 a.m. in the morning and it felt different. Like it was like this feels really good. Like it was just like we'd known each other for our whole life. That's how it felt to me. So it wasn't like I fell in love but it definitely had that feeling of like this feels really different. This feels like something I haven't had before. So for me that was – yeah, it was pretty soon. That's great. Yeah. I, I love it. And I think that came across and we were getting the whispers through, the, you know, the cricket club saying, well, you know, Cam could be on here. And, <laughs> and everyone's like, like, he's punching and all that sort of stuff. And I know that you joke, but you're a good looking man. Jules is a good looking woman. So every there was girls thinking that you're a catch and blokes thinking you're a catch and stuff. Yeah. Was there any outside stuff that ever made you sort of question it? People saying, oh, you can't marry a girl you met on a... TV show or something like that. Did you ever have any of that coming from friends uh, and family I've that, lost a friend that, over that it. love you, you know, yeah. and they're, they're concerned about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I did lose a girlfriend who was a girlfriend for 20 years. Uh, she was just so judgmental of the whole thing. And I was got to the point where I was like, I'm not asking, you know, you to agree with me. I'm just asking you to support me. And she just didn't get what, what I was doing. And she was very judgmental of Cam. And I was like, you know, what? I'm done. I don't need like, I just want you to support me. Don't you don't have to agree with me. And I just want you to be my friend. But yeah, so I lost a friend over it because it hurt. I was like, this is my choice. And respect my choice, because I'm telling you how I feel. And it's not it's not what you know, you don't think it's real world. This is my life now. So um, it's a it's a hard one. But I, we've got amazing foundations of friends that we've had for a long time. And Cam's friends have now become mine and vice versa. And it is a difficult thing because unfortunately when some people comment on Instagram they go don't ever change and it's like well unfortunately like the being of us will never change but you have to change in this in this industry because it's really fucking tough sometimes and you've got to have a thick skin and you've got to you've got to change otherwise you'd be eaten alive by from horrible words and comments and and people thinking that they know you personally and and I said most 90% of it's beautiful but that 10% can be really hard so you do have to change and and when you've got your friends that have known and love you your whole life and you're just Jules and Cam and then this whirlwind that you could never prepare yourself for happens. Yeah, they find it a bit strange sometimes, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> in our second wedding, in our, our real wedding. The proper one. A, a pro- yeah. The proper one. I said in my speech, guys, all we want to do is thank you because not all of you are ever going to 
uh, understand it because it's a hard world to understand. Like I still, if I'm in, in the street or things happen and people come up and chat or whatever it might be, your friends are just sitting there going, is this, I completely forget. Like you're just Cam, my yeah. best mate, cricketer, but then they forget there's this whole new world. And, and I said to them, I said, guys, I know you don't always have to understand it, but all we ever asked, and thank you for that, is to you, that you all supported it. And yeah. that's that's all it, that's all it yeah. was, wasn't it? And they did. They just and they said it to themselves. They were open and honest. Like, I don't know what's going on in your world. It's weird. It's cool. It, I don't get it, but I'll support you. Of course. Yeah. And they no. were always going to be there. And when I said I was going onto the show, yeah, there was a, a lot of fear from all my mates. I said because they thought I'd be stitched up with some of the other storylines that were supposed to be. And they were worried for my mental health and, and my mental wellness that they wouldn't know if I was going to get through that. So when I think Jules walked down or they saw that chemistry and they just thought, oh, geez, he's, he's genuinely happy still. And there's six degrees of separation at the wedding. So then I think because, you know, when you meet someone's friends, it is a good representation of who they are as yeah. well. And then it, I think why they ruined our music at our wedding because it was going too well and it was almost like a real wedding. It was so weird. And all the tables were mixing and intertwining. and It was just a, a, it felt a, like a real yeah, wedding. Yeah, it was it so really weird. really did our first one. We and then his best time. man knew one of my oldest friends and it was just, yeah, it was like, okay, this is good. Like, you know, they're the same kind of people in the same world and knew each other. So, yeah, no, but it was, we've been so fortunate. Like, uh, we, I've got amazing girlfriends that just have my back from, from day one and supported me through the whole thing. And we've met some amazing people, I guess, in that world that, that we've only met from being, uh, doing what we're doing. Yeah. And they have become the most beautiful friends ever. And one of them is is Josh Horner. Uh, we only met him through a through a, a charity event with neurofibromatosis and he was the MC that, you know, if we hadn't done that and he's now Ollie's godfather. Yeah, he was a judge on Dancing with the Stars many years ago so he understood that world as well plus he's just a genuine human being and so he helped to support that through that time which was great and, and again... Yeah. So New friends can be the best friends, you definitely. know, they don't, you don't have to have known you forever. Exactly. Just quickly interrupting the episode to say a very big thank you to the sponsor of this podcast and that is Shaw and Partners Financial Services. Shaw and Partners are an Australian investment and wealth management firm who manage over $28 billion of assets under advice. With seven offices across Australia, Shaw and Partners act for and on behalf of individuals, institutions, corporates and charities. For more info, you can check out their website at shawandpartners.com.au. That's S-H-A-W for sure. Sure and Partners Financial Services, your partners in building and preserving wealth. And let's get back into the episode. Ollie, let's talk about him just briefly because we saw him just he's next door neighbours now, but he's so cute. He's so lovely. <laughs> what does the world look like in the next five years for you guys? Are you thinking more family, Ollie, brother and sister? Yeah, we hope to have, we, we're manifesting having a little girl, hopefully in the next two years or so. Yeah, and we've actually spoke about moving to Queensland, haven't we, in the next like, oh, really? yeah, five years or so. We did a family, our first family holiday a few months ago in between the lockdowns and we drove <laughs> we drove to Queensland. We're like, we're that family. We're driving to Queensland. <laughs> and um, it was wonderful and we just loved it up there, didn't we? So that's, well, Cam that's, loves the sun. He's sun, sun 24-7, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, and I never thought I'd be that person. But I think, I mean, I'm really happy in Sydney right now. I love it. There's so much, you know, going on. But I think in the next five years or so, I do think we'll be we'll be up there. Yeah, I think it's just a it's a different perspective. Sydney, how it's hustle and bustle. It's just where you come, where you get your drive, where you where you focus on. And I think once we and I lived up on the Gold Coast for four years, from sixteen to twenty, and I did finish my schooling there. And you sort of you enjoy it, but Sydney was always my place. And we obviously both came back. Jules lived in London for fourteen years and came back to Sydney. But I think now as you get older, you, you appreciate, especially going through COVID, you, you appreciate, I guess, the simple things. And there's definitely an intensity that sort of falls back a little bit at the Gold Coast. And and we just want to enjoy that a little bit, mm. potentially. So, Or maybe we just need a goddamn holiday, I think, like everyone well, does. I mean, it, the world is a very small place at the end of the day. Like, we spent 10 years, my wife's English, 10 yep. years in England, and my kids are about to go off again now. The world's opening up. And they'll be in London, you know, and you just don't know. They'll fall in love there perhaps like I did when I went to England and and met Vic. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to have these wonderful open minds to everything, right? Yeah. That's exactly it. So a little daughter would be perfect. You've got a glow in your eye when you think about that. Weirdly, when we had the conversation on maths, we're like, yeah, we're done. We're going to have a baby. We came up with our daughter's name then and it's still stuck and that's that's it. No one knows who it is. Two weeks in, I had had a name. (laughs) I, (laughs) I, I said to Jules, this is daughter's name. And, and she went, yep, 
done. I'm happy with that. And then, but funny story really quickly is that when we didn't, we didn't know the sex of what we're having. So we didn't know it was little Ollie and we told the nurses, please don't tell us that it'd be me to reveal it to, to us. So Ollie came out and there was a little bit of a hiccup and he, nothing, there was no movement, no sound or whatever. And it was obviously the most panicking moment of oh, your yeah. life. Like it's shattering. And anyway, he or she started crying at the time and everything's okay. She actually called the emergency. He went, oh, get the emergency. And that, put panic through us of course and then he came to started crying and then the nurse goes oh she's okay she's okay okay." and we went oh well thanks for revealing it we appreciate that and i remember looking around and sort of and i was like i was like i I see a big (laughs) pair of gonads right there (laughs) i'm not sure what you're seeing but i'm pretty sure we've got a boy and she goes oh my god i'm so sorry it's a boy oh well so i literally had a girl had a daughter and then lost a daughter and then had but a boy. Got a so, son. Yeah. But also on that note, we the whole of, of Australia thought I was having a girl. Like everyone told me I'm having a girl, I'm having a girl. And I guess we started to believe it. And then we had one of those 4D scans, which are incredible. And it just oozed like it looked like a little boy. And then I on my baby shower, I don't know if you guys where you get the a piece of your hair and your wedding ring and you put it across your belly and yes. I goes circle back front. And anyway, so when I did that, it said I was having a boy and then Cam was like, I've just lost a daughter. Like I just, I can't deal. Like but let's just wait to the day. <laughs> it's like, a thing. No, I was, for that, be prepared. You had a like, bit okay, of gender you, disappointment, didn't you? <laughs> you had, I had, I was like, oh, we're having a daughter. We're having a daughter. Having, great. Okay. And I'm accepted and I love it. I can't wait. And then Jules goes, no, sorry, we're having a boy. I'm like, I just lost a daughter. <laughs> this is, what's happening to me? It's, it's a real thing. Well, for a bloke who's got a son first and then two daughters, believe me, it is well worth the wait <laughs> and they have got me wrapped around their little finger just as they will with you yeah. and that you know the, the mum and the daughter that but they always come to dad at the end and yeah. we tend to let them off and, we do. Yeah. you know it's very very cool and they grow so quickly so enjoy all those moments you, so you're up there in Queensland you've got your couple of daughters as well as Ollie that that sounds like it's going to be a pretty good life you're going to be doing what you're doing you're going to continue to do you know, in terms of just inspiring and the curves. Yeah, and so figure is to shapewear at the moment, but that's going to eventually become swimwear and activewear. And then I actually launched my own fashion label, More Amuse. That is purely a range for, as I said, another, the, the word more is means fate and destiny. And that is because I believe everything I'm doing right now has a bit of that to it. And then Muse is just all the women of Australia who've inspired me to create this fashion line, which is because so many women do ask for about how I dress with the curves and everything. It's very exciting. That is so cool. Yeah. She's a machine, mate. Like, honestly, what, what she does that I see day to day in and being a full-time mum, like next level, like I would love to multitask or any like a. a <laughs> I think it's just a woman thing, not a man. It's incredible. Thing. How good is it? Okay, no. uh, she's amazing. I'm so proud of her. The the, <laughs> the her work ethic and her drive, and she, she just keeps going. Has a breakdown for a little bit, and then we sort of just pick her up, and she goes, blows, dust herself off, and she just goes again, and just doesn't stop. And and it's all for either inspiring um, other women around her, and she just keeps going, man. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, good on you. Can see that as well when you're chatting. Okay, let's talk about. Each other's personalities for a moment. Is there something you go, oh, I'd like to change that a little bit? So on our real... Oh, how long's the list for Jules? <laughs> We've got, only, got a, only got a couple of lists, Jules. <laughs> no. So when we really got married, my, in my vows, I did say, like, I promise to accept that you take three times humanly long to do just really basic things. <laughs> Example, please, Jules. Male thing, isn't it? Well, I kind of call Cam Dory a bit because he sometimes just gets a little bit like, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, he just kind of just... It's like Dora the Explorer. Yeah, well, no, Dory, you know, from Finding Nemo, who forgets everything. It's just a bit like... I got it, I got it, I got it. I just told you. And I forgot it. I got it, I got it, and I forgot it. Shit. So just... But that... But you know, in a way, that's what I love about him too. So it's uh, a bit of a catch-22, but he just takes forever to do the smallest things. Like, I used to hate Cam going to cricket all the time. I'm like, no, long-term gain here when Ollie's like eight, he'll be gone all day. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. And you'll be at ballet with the girls. I'll be having a long lunch now. I'll be like, see ya. <laughs> what about you, mate? Mate, I think uh, there's a part of Jules which I absolutely love and it's obviously her standards and her expectations and everything like that is so ridiculously high and incredible and that makes her her. But sometimes the the I guess the reality of it is that we are a family and there's shit everywhere and there's dishes to be done and it's just like okay to just sit in that for a yeah, second. Yeah, I get a bit hung up. And it's like the acceptance of when you have a child that things don't get done all the time. Yeah, like we're throwing away perfect. Yeah, but it's for me, motherhood, it's learning acceptance. That's what it is. And 
Cam's happy to like just leave a trail, you know, and I'm a bit you more. You know where I've been, you know where <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, I know everything. And it will get done, it will get picked up, but she's just like on it, bang, yeah. this is not here Like I now. need clean to to focus in and work, you know, so but we're very different in, the, in that aspect. But I'm getting better, like I am really trying. Like there will be days where I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, let's just throw things on the floor. Yeah, oh God, I love those days. Um, yeah. Great days, really turns me on. You know, I guess what happens in parenthood, you get turned on by the weirdest things, that really gets me. Yeah. That and one of the worst dishwashing packers I've ever seen. Oh, right. Like shocking. Everything's meant to be in its right The spot. other day I saw, I found cutlery in the top shelf. Oh, he's so hung up on it. Like, when there's a, like, there's I a, just do it bad so you do it for me forever. <laughs> for cutlery. Like you just place it. And yeah. I found it and I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, you've gone to new levels. But God, look, I'm if that's the worst person. thing yeah. that's happening, I think I've done quite well. Mate. I think you'll be able to get over that <laughs> quite nicely. What have you learnt the most as I sort of wrap up this chat? What have you learnt the most about yourselves over the last couple of years? Oh, I think my resilience. I think resilience is something that I didn't – I always knew I was strong, but I think – I don't know. As a woman, I like to be strong and I like to be vulnerable. Like I feel like that's a really nice balance of a woman, but I've got good resilience, as Cam said. Like I'll, I'll keep on going and keep on going, and I may have a little fall and I'll crumble and I'll have a cry, but pick myself up again and I keep going. So that's something I think in the last Yeah, and you've been years. doing that under pressure too. You know, yeah. Whether you knew it or not, people are looking at you. Yeah. What about you, Cam? Mate, I think the resilience part of it, I think um, – certainly bring that hope and that sort of light. I came from a place where once I finished cricket and I went through a horrible, horrible time where you, once you lose value and you lose purpose that is cricketer, you completely lose everything that you sort of wake up for in the moment. You lose purpose. And, and I think if anything, I continued to break new ground, get to a happy place, which, and I thought, okay, I'm fine. And then I, I, I just continue to surprise myself probably. And that's the probably the message I love talking about my story because anything's possible. And you genuinely, I don't know if it's as corny as it sounds, but if you put your mind to something, anything is genuinely possible. And did I think this would happen? Yeah, I, there's a part of me that did. I remember sitting in a, in, funny enough, in a, in a hospital bed in mental rehab trying to go through it. And I remember thinking the only thing that's going to keep me going is that I haven't been married yet and I haven't had kids and that was then, and that was eight years ago, when I was in the worst possible place you could potentially ever dream of being, and it just kept driving me. And I find myself almost pinching myself, talking to you, Gus, with my beautiful wife, and you're like in our home thinking, shit, that happened. There was a lot of shit that went in between to mm. get there, but it was just one step every single day, maybe one step back every once in a while, no problems. But I continue to surprise myself that you just keep going and... Some amazing stuff's genuinely possible. Mm. Eight yeah. years ago, where was that moment? Like, where was that hospital? And that was at Palm Beach, Carumban. And what took you there? Oh, I think an array of things. Like, yeah, I'd finished cricket profession, and I think a lot of sportsmen today, when they finish up as their profession, that's all they've known since you know they were since they were a young kid. They finally achieved that dream, and then and then it's gone, it's done, and then there's no fallback plan or no idea of what's going on past that. And when, like anyone, doesn't have to be cricket, but if you, whether you retire or whatever it might be, you lose purpose, you lose value, and you lose your why to wake up every single day, and then this cloud of emotions just drains you, and you think, well, what am I doing here? What am I? What am I supposed to be? All I've known is that, and it just got to a place where all at once, cricket was lost, salary was lost. Um, I'd just broken up with a long-term relationship at the time. I came back. I ended up living. Uh, I was in Vancouver airport, homeless for four days in the in the airport on my own, living. And mate, I couldn't put pants on, and I was mentally and physically crippled. And that was at a time where I was like, "Oh, this is this is quite close to the end. Like this is this is not a great place." And I found, managed to get myself back to Sydney, staying on a mate's couch for a couple of weeks. And then I thought, I need proper professional help. And I found myself at Palm Beach Crumbin mental rehabilitation center and i sat myself on a bed and it was a line in the sand it was genuinely okay you've got two choices here you're either you're done or you've got an opportunity to still be happy and i still genuinely believe that and my why was well you've achieved everything you want to do but having a wife and having having kids is something you've always dreamed about as well don't give up now, keep striving for that. But I was never going to be grey area in between. I wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm either be sort of done. I wasn't going to be that victim 
to say, oh, I'm, I'm, there's a bit of suffering here and this is not my, my, not my time. You know, half and half, it was like, I'm going to be 100% happy and go for it or one or the other. It was not going to be, oh, poor me. It was like, no. Nah. And I made that commitment to learn everything I could about mental health, everything I could about myself and triggers and understanding why this has happened to me. Why, what have I gone through right now to lead me to this point? And I backtracked and led it all and understood it and... And now, one step at a time, one small step, and it just started with just doing small things like I knew. Like, okay, let's just coach cricket. Let's just do what you love, and that just let, and then open doors from that lead to new things, and and it continued. And I land, like I said, I land myself here today. Go, shit! It's been a big journey because a lot of people think it was just overnight. Oh, he was just a bloke that. You know, everything was great for him. He was a professional cricketer and this and that, and you just went on a show, you got married. Oh, fantastic life's mm. great. No, shit, no. Jules and I often talk about that. We both had our life experiences that we both went through that helped us get to that point of where we're just genuinely happy within ourselves and love ourselves for what we've been through that we could end up loving someone else. And that's where it sort of ended. And that's where my, my thought and my love for, for mental health to say, fuck, I went through it. Trust me, if you're going through something at the moment, I promise you it can get better. Just one step at a time, we can do this. So that's my story. That's where I want to. That's where I see myself in sort of five years' time. That's nice. More continuing that down that path. Thank you, brother. Thank you for sharing. Pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jules. Your your moment. Did you have a moment as sort of big as that that you went line in the sand moment? No, I mean that brings me like whenever I hear Cam say talk about that, like it just it doesn't break my heart. It makes me feel very proud to, to, you know, when I look at Cam, I can't imagine him being like that. And as you said, it's very easy to look at Cam and think he's so happy-go-lucky. He's just, you know, lights up a room when he smiles, but it hasn't always been like that. And I just, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've had some tough times in my life, but nothing that Cam's gone through, which is, which is his purpose, which is to, to share light with other people going through hard times. And, and that is what Cam does. And that's, why he does share what he does, and I couldn't be prouder of you. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, let's lighten the mood. Last five questions. Yeah. As you're both tearing up. Okay, here we go. Favorite movie? Oh, it's so hard. I've got so many. Oh, give us your top three then. Ghostbusters, he's going to say. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Too. Okay, turn, I'm turning his mic off. Are you serious? Are you kidding oh, me? He's such a Which loser. Which one? The, the original oh, one? Ghostbusters 84 came out. Mate, you, when you talk about nostalgia, I obviously. I don't talk about that. nostalgia. I talk about like The Godfather. And this is my happy place, Ghostbusters. Okay. Favourite book? Are you readers? No. I read things that I'm like hungry caterpillar. No, like <laughs> I read I read baby books. I read baby books, but I'm more of a, a like a self help thing, like in, inspirational kind of books, not like read pick up. A yeah, novel. and podcasts and stuff. Yeah, are a big thing there, yeah. aren't they? Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got a few. I, I do love reading. They're all sort of self development, self help. Currently, I'm reading the Five AM Club, Robin Sharma. Like sensational book, really good touch. Power of Now, um, Eckhart Tolle, great. You know, just mindfulness, really bringing you back to. To what helps, I think, is, 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 my, is my bag anyway. Beautiful. Favourite holiday destination? Oh, Europe. Anywhere in Europe's fabulous for me. Yeah. Uh, anywhere with a with pool, beach. Where do we go? Yeah. Yeah, beer. <laughs> yeah, really sit back. And read a book. That's my happy place. Where do we go? Not Tenerife. Um, Thailand. Not Thailand. Um, Vanuatu. No, where do we both go, but separately? Many places, honey. <laughs> yeah, more places than not. You'd think. Where's, where do I run? Where do I run a muck? Oh, you went to the Greek islands. Oh, Greek islands. Yeah, he had a lot of fun, guys. Let me tell yeah. you, I've seen the photos. <laughs> Can't go back there. Um, have you got a quote that you live by, or is there a favourite quote of yours that you live by? You don't have to have one, but if you do, yeah, I've was, got so many of them. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, but my specific one is again on the back of the story that I told that is me is that life isn't a race, and when I. I don't know where I heard it or if I just figured it out, but when I started, stopped comparing to what all my mates were doing, because I came out of rehab really quickly and all my mates were married, houses, kids, and I'm thinking, shit, I need a corporate job. I've got to catch up. I've got to catch up. And then once I sort of tailed it back and went, no, stuff that, like, this is my this is my path, this is where I'm at right now. And when I stopped that and just went, okay, life's not a race, I'll make up for it or I'll just find my way. You can catch up quick too. You can catch up quick. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So that's, I was thinking about the other day, that is definitely my one that like that, that. that kicks. Life is not a race. 
What about you, Jules? I've got many. There's something I do share a lot is like inspirational quotes. I share on figure one thing that's come a bit of a tagline with that. I'm actually having made into some stickers that go on the mirror so you read it back to yourself as an affirmation. So sexy isn't a size, it's a mindset. So that's something I think is all women should should believe. But just And men. And men as well. Yeah. There you go. As a curvy man, I'd like to say that. <laughs> No, I absolutely love it. One last question. We've got $10,000 to give away to a charity of your choice. Who would you like to give $10,000 to? That's amazing, And you can split it up. You can split it if you like as well, but however you'd like to do it. Thank you, mate. First of all, thank you very much, so much for having us. This has been brilliant, so so enjoyable. Um, For me, I couldn't go past, but obviously I'm wearing the actual (laughs) T-shirt, just this old thing. Um, Mate, I'd love to and continue to be part of Gotcha for Life, so I'd love to donate my half to Gotcha for Life. Thank you, Cam. Thank you, mate. Because, mate, just just on on, on the quiet, it's not just because we've got a relationship. It's purely because I have experienced the Tomorrow Man program, and without doubt, if anyone listening, which I'm sure there's a few are, the Tomorrow Man program was one of the most powerful facilitations I have ever been part of. And I brought it up to, to our Manly Cricket and there were 60 young boys up there, room at the top at Manly, and I've never seen something so incredible where these youngsters had changed their life. There were hands up. Once we sort of broke through that, and when we talk about mental health, about breaking down the stigma, it just opened the door for these youngsters to think, shit, I was thinking that, but I wasn't sure if it was normal. And now I see that I, I told my story and then everyone just continued with that. And it was it was by far the most, like I said, most powerful facilitation I've ever been part of, mate. And it's changing genuine lives for us at Manly, for, for the Northern Beaches and for people all over the world, Australia, rural, everywhere you want to go to. So huge congratulations to you, mate. Thanks, and it, mate. it is working and you're doing a fantastic job. So Legend. I'd be more than happy. Thank you, brother. What about so you, So I would like to donate my $5,000 to Share the Dignity, which is my chosen charity. So figure my business is actually a partner and I donate from every sale. Uh, so Share the Dignity is for period poverty. And I have to say, when I first heard that word, I was a little bit naive and I didn't know. I don't know what that means. So, yeah, period poverty is for... There's so many women in Australia who actually, unfortunately, have to use a piece of newspaper or a sock or a piece of material for their monthly period because they don't have money to to do that or they're from a broken family where there just isn't budget to have that done. So... They, they also support domestic violent victims. So it's not, I mean, in a way, it kind of potentially could save lives, but it's a charity that creates dignity for women and just something that all women should not have, you know, should always have in, in their life. So, but yes, yeah, so I'd like to donate it to them. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, yeah. I never knew any of that. So yeah. you've educated me today and I'll see if we can do something about that as well. Thank you so much again for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. A big thank you to Shaw and Partners Financial Services who have generously supported this podcast and also donated $10,000 to the charity of choice of each of our guests to thank them for their time. Shaw and Partners are an Australian investment and wealth management firm who manage over $28 billion of assets under advice. With seven offices around Australia, Shaw and Partners act for and on behalf of individuals, institutions, corporates and charities. For more info, you can check out their website at shawandpartners.com.au. That's S-H-A-W for sure. Shaw and Partners Financial Services, your partners in building and preserving wealth.